Everybody ready for Thanksgiving? Okay, who's doing the cooking? The men? Or the women? The women, I see. Did anybody else overeat besides me? Man, that's awesome. I enjoy Thanksgiving. I enjoy time with my family. I enjoy the food. I also enjoy the football games that are on. But anyway, I just want to, um, we've got a special guest today, Richard and Megan Harrell and their family. They're coming up and sharing with us with what God is doing in their heart. Before, but before I do that, I want to share something with you. When, before Jesus began his ministry, he went into the desert or into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days. Then after that time, he entered the ministry. And while he was doing that, he, you know, he saw people. He saw several people, Peter, James, and John, and the other 12 disciples. And he said, come, follow me. Come, just see what I'm going to do. Just come and, and pay attention, pretty much is what he's saying. And so for three years, these disciples followed him and watched him, saw him heal people, saw him walk on water, saw him raise people from the dead. So for that whole time, those disciples were sitting and watching Jesus and seeing what he was doing and understanding what his message was about. Then towards the end of his ministry, Jesus started saying, you're no longer coming and seeing, but there'll be a time we'll come and die. And so he started speaking to them that your life will need to yield to what God is wanting to do through you and in you. And so then Jesus was crucified, and he was resurrected, and the disciples really began to understand what it was that they were going to come and die. And then after Jesus rose from the dead, there was a a couple weeks where he spent time teaching them and talking to them and instructing them as to what that they are going to do. And then right before he rose up into heaven, Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so what was happening now in the disciples' life, they were dying to their will and accepting the authority of the Holy Spirit coming into their lives and to send them out in their community, to send them out into their country, and to send them out to all the known places of the world at that time. And so that's what we as Christians, there comes a time in our life where we're like the disciples, where we stop watching and seeing what God is doing, and we yield our lives to Him and become part of what God is doing. That's the dying part to what God is doing. And so today we have Richard and Megan Harold. They're dying to what their own will is and yielding their life as to what God has called them to do many years ago. For them, it's going overseas. For us, it's our community. For some of you, it's your job. It's your neighbors. Some of you today might be challenged to hear God speaking to you for the first time to reach out beyond Cabarrus County and beyond North Carolina, and I pray that happens. And so Richard and Megan want to share with you as to what God has done in their heart and in their lives and how God's going to use them across the world. But before they come, we have a brief video they would like for you to see.
believe that NA thinks they're not like. impressive to see the amount of food that's still needed here and the desperation is still on their faces. Father, we pray that this aircraft will be a beacon of lives as it reaches out to tens of thousands of hurting and lost people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Those are my boys. You know, they say that children are the future of a nation, but sadly, there is a place in the world where children's futures don't look nearly as bright as our children's here in America look. There's a place where children learn of death at way too young of an age. In this country, mothers do orphan their children, and husbands do leave behind families. This nation grows famine, disease, drought, and death, and little else. It is the same size as the state of Maryland, and yet it has the third highest rate of HIV-AIDS in the world. The nation I'm speaking about is Lesotho. Hello, uh, my name is Richard Harrell, as Jimmy said earlier, and we are missionaries. I'm a pilot mechanic with Missionary Aviation Fellowship, and we've been members here at Rocky River Church for a while, and we appreciate this opportunity uh, that the church has given us to share our ministry. Um, my family. Megan, my wife, and our four boys, Alex and Aiden, who are up on stage, uh, Aaron and Abe. Our little babies are out with Grandma and Grandpa right now. Um, but we have recently been given the, the privilege to serve with MAF in Lesotho. Lesotho is a tiny country inside of South Africa. 
Uh, it's often referred to as the kingdom in the skies because of its high elevations. Uh, the elevation rises about about 4,500 feet, where we'll be, the capital city of Maseru, upwards of 11,500 to 12,000 Without a road system and with uh, this formidable terrain, the many, many of the mountainous villages are left completely inaccessible. HIV-AIDS is a pandemic that has orphaned over 100,000 children in this mountainous region, and they have no access to a medical doctor of any kind. These parentless children and childless parents are left to fend for themselves with little or no food to eat. Quote, my sister is six years old. There are no adults living with us in the house. I need a bathroom tap and clothes and shoes and water also inside the house. But especially, we need somebody to tuck us in at night. Apoi, age 13. The devastation in Lesotho is real, but so is Mission Aviation Fellowship's presence there. MAF pilots and mechanics like my husband are the major source, or only source rather, of transportation for medical care clinics in these remote villages of the country. Simply put, if MAF were not in Lesotho, 200,000, think about that for a minute, 200,000 Lesotho people would not have access to a medical doctor of any kind. And this in a nation ravaged by the terminal and communicable disease of AIDS. Mission Aviation Fellowship was founded shortly after World War II when the pilots returned to war. They'd seen how drastically aviation had impacted the outcome of war, and they wished to see that same influence used in mission. And so the pilots used their skills and their abilities and the aircraft to overcome geographical barriers to reach people groups that would otherwise be completely inaccessible. In doing so, MAF transports missionaries, church planners, Bible translation, the Jesus film, and many, many other uh, resources like that. Uh, an important part of who MAF is is our disaster relief. Uh, example of this is after the Haiti earthquake in 2010, MAF was heavily involved in the transport of supplies and support in the relief efforts there. Uh, over the past 66 years, MAF has continued to expand and to grow, but maintains the same founding principle of using aviation and technology to physically and spiritually transform the lives of people around the world. MAF today is worldwide. We have operations in Latin America, in Haiti, Europe, Eurasia, Indonesia, and obviously Africa. In Lesotho, I, along with the other MAF pilots, will be flying the Basutu people to 12 rural mountain health clinics. And we work hand-in-hand with the Lesotho Flying Doctor Service, uh, Samaritan's Purse, Partners in Health, and about 38 other mission and humanitarian organizations. Uh, we share relief and the knowledge of Jesus Christ to a hurting people by first saving their lives and then their souls. Justin Honecker, a pilot mechanic serving with MAF in Lesotho, calls it a privilege to fly injured young men such as Sikyo. Sikyo was badly beaten when Justin loaded him into his plane and flew him to one of the remote clinics. Because of the care that he received, Sikyo made a full recovery, and Justin received the opportunity to share the gospel. Wouldn't it be easier for you to accept the knowledge of a Savior from somebody who has just helped to save your life or the life of somebody you love? I like to use the example of with the Basutu people 
of sending a missionary out to the people out there, someone that is hurting, that has a disease they don't understand. The missionary goes up to them and says, you know what, you need to accept Christ as your Savior. They don't understand why. The connection's not there. Is Christ going to cure me of this disease that I don't understand? And the answer is no. No, he's not. If I fly my airplane out there and I provide medical assistance for them, I, I deliver drugs and save the life of somebody that, that they know, they may listen to me because of what I have given them. But if I'm there every single day, if MAF is there every single day, flying in and flying out, providing for them medical emergencies, drugs, things of that nature, it, it begs the question on them as to why are you doing this for us when you have asked nothing in return. And it just opens such a huge door for us to share that we are just a reflection of God's love. God loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. They understand death. They see death on a daily basis. And God, God Almighty, sent his son to die for us. And we are just giving that to you. You know, aviation is cool. I'll be the first one to admit it. If I were to land my airplane outside the church here on the grass, chances are we'd go look at it. People in the lobby would go out there. Cars might even stop, pull in to see what's going on. You know, why, why is this plane landing here? And that's in America, where we have technology, and we understand that. Now, you take that to a third world country, where they don't have technology, but they do understand that I could be using that for my own game, for my own sport, but we're giving that to them. You know, I, that's, I guess, our ministry among the Basutu people, MAS ministry, is that we use the airplane to illustrate Christ's love to them, to prepare their hearts for his you know, I'd just like to challenge you that each one of us has an opportunity to illustrate Christ's love to those around us. You know, and our witness is our most powerful tool. Uh, I, I like to ask you, you know, if, if you believe that God is in control, which I, I hope that you do, because if you don't, it's a really, really, really scary word. But if you believe God is in control, then he has you where you are today. But the people who are around today for a purpose. And for a reason. And I'd like to say, you know, we, I've been blessed with the opportunity to have an airplane to illustrate Christ's love. But we all have our witness to illustrate, Christ, illustrate Christ's love to those around us. You know, I can stand up here and say whatever I want to say to you. If I get in my car and I cut you off and curse you out and drive off at 100 miles an hour, you're going to remember what I did far longer than what I say. That's the power. I, I just challenge you to look at your own life and to see if you can use your witness to beg the question from the people around you as to what is different in this person's life and how can I get it. Well, that's just a little bit about MAF, who we are, what we're going to be doing. A little bit on how we got to this point. Uh, the Lord saw fit to bless me by being born into a uh, strong Christian family. I was actually born as a missionary kid in Cape Town, South Africa. Um, and as a result, I got the unique experience to see the power and importance of missions from the inside. And that resulted in a strong desire in my own heart to be involved in missions. I actually went forward when I was about eight years old at a missions conference to dedicate my life to missions, not knowing at all what that was. I thoroughly enjoyed my time in Cape Town. Uh, it wasn't until I was a junior in high school trying to decide what direction my life would take that I found out about mission aviation. Uh, missions was still very much a desire, but standing up and talking in front of a bunch of people was not. Official missions was out. 
and uh, the Lord provided for me in the form of Moody um, Aviation. I found out about a little school across the mountain in Tennessee and went across, and it was like one of those light bulb moments. Here was a way that I could use my skills and my abilities and still be involved in mission. God. You know how high school is, and uh, when you're in high school, whatever you're doing is the most important thing in your life. And I was playing baseball at the time. And so when I graduated, instead of going into the aviation program like I wanted to do, I uh, followed my brothers up to Liberty University to play baseball. And uh, it wasn't more than a couple of weeks uh, up at Liberty before I met a six-foot-one tall blonde named Megan. So things worked out for me. Um, as far as Megan goes, she was born uh, the youngest of 13. That's correct. She was a baby of 13 on a dairy farm in upstate New York. And um, decided uh, she she often says that there's more cows in her town than people, and uh, which is true. And she decided after high school that she was going to go to uh, to Liberty University as well, up from New York, down to Lynchburg. It's funny how the Lord can take a missionary kid from Cape Town, South Africa, and a farm girl from upstate New York. The only way he can put them together. Uh, but as they say, when she, after she met me, the rest was history. Um, it was more. It was about two years after. Uh, being at liberty for about two years before I felt the Lord uh, reminding me of the call of my promise that I'd made so many years and asking me to make good on that promise. And it's amazing how that still small voice always seems to ask me to make the biggest change. And so I transferred out of liberty, left baseball, left Megan, and got into Moody Bible in Chicago to get the remaining credits I needed to start the aviation. Megan, meanwhile, graduated from Liberty in three years. Uh, we got married the next fall and moved to Tennessee to start the aviation. And our, our plan was perfect. We thought this, this was just fantastic. Megan was going to work as a reporter uh, for the local newspaper. I was going to go to school full-time. going to get this thing done, be on the mission as soon as possible. Well, first day of class, we found out that we were expecting our first son. And uh, with the pregnancy and subsequent birth of Alex, uh, our plans changed dramatically. Um, with Megan's decision, our decision to stay, to keep her at home with Alex, the next three years were very trying times for us. But the Lord was faithful, and he provided for us with each step that we took. <clears throat> Graduated from uh, Moody Aviation in 2005, and we had two boys at this time. They had come along, and he moved to Concord. The plan was, Going to work, going to fly a little bit on the side, going to get on the mission as soon as possible. As most plans most happens with most plans, things didn't work out the way we wanted them. And over the next two years, we had two more sons, and so now we're up to four. Fantastic family. I mean, we love them, love them to death. But it was difficult for us. Here we were being blessed with this family, but yet we had a desire to be. We knew that we weren't. This wasn't where we were supposed to be. We knew it. God had called us to go. And it was difficult. We fought each other, fought God, and we pushed. We tried getting into this place, tried looking at this, and we just couldn't find anything that would work. We couldn't see any way. And it was very frustrating. And yet the Lord provided again. And this time he provided in a fantastic church, Rocky River. Uh, we came to Rocky River, and we began to realize that God isn't concerned about what you were doing or where you are. He's concerned about how you are living, where your heart is. You know, we said, all right, Lord, 
if Concord, North Carolina is going to be our mission field, then so be it. We're going all in. Became members at Rocky River, got involved in Sunday schools, got involved in church setup at the elementary school, and poured our lives into people here in Concord. And the peace that came on us was amazing. It was amazing. Well, it was about six months after that fantastic peace that we both felt that call to each of us. What about missions? What about that promise that you had made so long ago? And that was a very difficult, that was difficult. We were angry. We said, Lord, you know what? We tried it. We went, we did what you asked us to do. I got my schooling, we took the step, but you didn't meet us there. And in our mind, that was a closed door. But it wasn't to be. With the encouragement of Pastor Jimmy and some very close friends in this church, uh, we decided to step out in faith again. We said, you know what, Lord? We're going to take these steps, but you're going to have to meet us because we can't do this on our own. And so our first two baby steps that we took in faith, we could see how the Lord was guiding where our feet landed. And he guided our feet out to Idaho and MAF. We stood before you uh, October 2010, and it was a very big moment in our lives because we were having to go out to take a test to see if my flying abilities were good enough to get in the organization. I hadn't flown since I graduated. I hadn't flown in five years. We said, you know what? This is a, for us, that was a fleece moment. We said, Lord, we'll take the step in faith, and this is the perfect opportunity for you to either open or close this door in our direction of life. So we took that step, and God met us there. He got And so this past July, we went out and went through the, uh, completed the candidacy process and became official missionaries with This past summer for me was a huge turning point personally. Um, from the minute I met Richard, I knew that he was going to fly airplanes in Africa. just knew it, and I had come to terms with that many years ago um, and completely was on board. But over the years, it has been difficult for me to see how my life and my son's life, lives, our interests and our talents, come into play in this strange world of missions aviation. It has taken me personally several years of solely clinging to what I believe to be biblical truth and acting out on those beliefs before I could hear the Lord's calling on my own life. Even when we, before we um, went to leave for MAF this past summer, it was still very unclear to me why the Lord had chosen me of all people to become a missionary. And how are my boys and I going to fit into this picture? I was really confused about it. <laughs> when we left our home in Concord last June, we didn't know where in the world we would be assigned. And it was scary. But mine is a testimony of the Lord's grace is sufficient for such a time as this. And he wasn't about to give me any more grace than I needed for that moment. And he did. The Lord met me on the long road to Idaho and transformed me during my time there by breaking my heart for the needing people of this world. We could have been assigned to Haiti, to Indonesia, or Afghanistan, or several other places where MAF works, but I simply did not want to raise my sons. But we weren't. We were assigned to the tiny, obscure nation of Lesotho, a place where hundreds of thousands of babies are aching to be loved on. Now, I know a thing or two about loving on some babies. 
Immediately, my role in missions became crystal clear, and I had to just smile at God. He knew all along. I am perfectly suited for the work among the orphans of Lesotho, and I am so excited to stand here before you today and say I cannot wait to get back. Well, it's exciting for us. We are excited. We are pumped about this opportunity. We are pumped about the Lord's timing, that you know, when he, he wants it to happen, it's going to happen. It's happening. Uh, in this phase right now that we're in, we're in a partnership development phase. We're trying to get partners to partner with us what we're doing. Because we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. Rocky River has stepped up big time. They've been, been partnering with us, emotionally supporting us, um, prayerfully supporting us, financially supporting us in a big way. You know, and for us, partnership is exciting. I know people say, man, that, that's a really hard part of it. But it, it, it's not. It's exciting. Because we get to share our ministry. As I was saying earlier, the Lord's not concerned with where you are. What you do. He's not concerned that you're the one over there in the or that you're the one here praying, that you're the one giving financially to make that work. When you partner with us as an individual or as a church, our ministry in Lesotho becomes your ministry. That becomes your thumbprint on world. And that's exciting to us. That's exciting. Because people grow. The more you see, the more you do for people, the more you grow as a And so, you know, I, I want to offer it. You know, just look. Just see. Examine your heart to see if this is something that the Lord's leading. Because it's not for everybody. I understand. I understand that not everybody is called to go over to a third world country. I understand that not everybody is called to go to a different state. But I do believe that everybody Every church, every individual can play a part in world missions and can take a claim to that impact that it has. Uh, if you'd like, we've, we've got a table out there with a sign-up sheet, and we would love to share on that. I want to sign up for our newsletter that we send out a few times a year so that you can keep up to date on what we are doing. We would love that because we want to share with you. A partnership with us is also a two-way street. We don't just want to share with you. We want to get feedback from you. We want, to get, we want you to share your lives with us. Because as Christians, we don't grow individually. We don't grow by ourselves and then come together as a bunch of strong Christians. We grow together. We grow as a church. We grow through each other's successes, and we grow through each other's pain and suffering and seeing how the Lord abides in them. And so we want to hear about the things in your life. We want to share about the things so that together we can. I want to thank the church for this opportunity, Pastor Donnie, for this. It's just amazing. Thank you very much. This is our church. You are our people, and we are you. Thank you. Very much. As the band comes forward, we want to pray for Richard and Megan before, before the end of the service and stuff. But if you'd like to give in any way today um, but above your tithe to help them, on your envelope, mark other and the amount that you're giving there. You could do so by doing that, and then we'll have our ushers sitting at the door as you leave today, and you could place your offering in there. So let's pray for, let's all stand, and let's pray for Richard and Megan before our last song. Let's pray.
God, I just thank you so much for Richard and Megan. It means so much to me and my family, my wife and my boy. They mean so much to this church. And it's awesome to see that the calling that you have placed on their heart to follow you, to, to, you know, to leave the comfort of you know, being here with their family and to go overseas. God, I just pray that you just make their path straight. I pray for protection, that you just surround them to keep them from anything that want to cause them harm. Oh, I also pray that, that you just bless them in ways that they can never imagine. Oh, I thank you so much for the Harold family. In your name I pray. Amen.